Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, uh, Paul Bunyan. I mean, uh, Matt Smith. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> so for those who aren't watching, um, Matt's dressed like a, a lumberjack. Yes, uh, I've embraced my East Coast heritage. I just got back. I just got back on Wednesday night, so. Yeah. This is me Are you doing shooters of maple syrup too, or what? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ply or uh plaid shirt. I smell like cedar wood. So yeah. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> well, while you're in Moncton, you took in a few games, didn't you? I was able to see the one. Um, it would have been nice to be able to see some more. Um, just wasn't in the cards, unfortunately. I had a lot of people to see and uh, only so much time there, but I was able to see Slovakia play um the Finns. So I was able to see um, a few Canadians prospects in action, check out the Avenir center, which was absolutely gorgeous. My first time at the arena and um, just kind of take in the experience. And uh, the DJ did a fantastic job playing East coast music the whole time, which I'm sure they did the same in Halifax, had the crowd yeah, into they played, it. played uh, heave away a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but they had, it was, it was uh one hell of an atmosphere to be a part of. And I know that you saw many more games than I did and you, you, you covered it with Treg and Halifax, but it was just like, I, if, if I, I know that the world juniors is a huge money generator, especially when it comes to Canada, but I love the aspect of having it in junior rings. It's just more, it's much more of a personal experience as opposed to having it in, the Bell Center, or having it at uh, at uh, Canadian Tire Center, or anything or something like that. Like it just, it, it really brought the crowd into it, and like you could hear the you could hear the players on the ice, and it was it was it was a great experience, and and I think that um, the players themselves really enjoyed the uh, maritime culture, and I I heard nothing but good things from uh, from the media and the uh, competitiveness of the groups and the uh, the surprises during the uh, during some of these games with upsets here and there. Like you never, you never went to a game expecting this team to win or this team to win. So a great experience overall. Oh yeah. The Swiss were a big surprise over in uh, the pool in Moncton pool B yeah. pulling off three overtime wins in the round Robin. That was something else. But too bad. They were too tired when it came to the, came to the medal or came to the elimination round, right? Well, I think the travel all the way to Halifax, you know, through horse and buggy to get out of uh, yeah. <laughs> New Brunswick kind of war on much. Pretty much. There's no cars in this province. How do we get <laughs> out of here? Yeah. Uh, all right. So for this episode, we'll talk about a couple of items. So we'll talk about the PK Subin tribute that was j uh, just before the Nashville game. Clearly, we'll talk about the Nashville game, a little bit about the Habs on either side of that. Um, there's some there's some rumors going around. We'll tee up the deadline talk. And if there's time, we'll we'll cover some other topics. But to start with, the P.K. Subin tribute. So Subin comes back to Montreal. He's, uh, he's being honored by the Canadians with a P.K. Subin day. And 
he comes out looking like a million bucks in that uh that that plaid jacket of his i yeah. thought you know wow <laughs> here's the 70s right all over again yeah and i thought it was a i thought it was a really really nice touch that he brought that little girl out with him to very uh, much so to enjoy very that. much very much so and uh some people were saying that it was a a publicity thing some people are saying negative stuff about this and you go back and some of his tweets and he's known this little girl for quite a long time and yeah this, since she was like one yeah yeah and uh you can you can go on twitter and you can find that i'm not going to go into it right now but little girl's name's mina and the fact that he took time out of his own tribute to make sure that that little girl had the the crowd cheering her name and everything you saw it you saw it in her face and how much it yep. meant to her and and, yeah. and the fans were eating it up and, and loving it, right? So I think it was a, a I think it it was a very classy move by him. And I thought as a whole, the tribute to Subban, um, him coming out and you hear his voice and he's speaking in French. So obviously the French fans were loving it. He comes he yeah. comes out and it he it, it just kind of seemed like it was like genuine PK Subban all over again. It was the the one that the Canadians and the Canadians faithful fell in love with. And he really made it about the city. He made it about his charity. He made it about his time in Montreal. Um, very thankful to the players, then the training staff and uh, to Jeff Molson and their and his family. I, I, I just think it was done so well, but it wasn't over the top. And I, and I think that it was, it was very well done. the, the Canadians fans that were really big fans of PK Subban, they never really had the opportunity to say goodbye. All right. All of a sudden the season was over, traded off for Shea Weber, which you can argue was a fantastic trade or not for the Canadians, depending on how you look for it. Um, but again, they never really were able to say goodbye to him. Yes. They've had games against them. He's always cheered, some booed uh, when he comes back to the Bell Center, video tribute, et cetera. But he never really had the opportunity to say goodbye to him. And I think it was a very classy touch by the Canadians to do so. And I'm really hoping if there's a way somehow is to do something similar for Andre Markov. Yeah, because yeah, Subban, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Because Superman did speak about Markov. He talked about Carey Price. He talked about the importance of these players in his life. And the Markov situation, in my opinion, is a lot messier than the Subban situation. Um, but he wasn't at that scale. He wasn't at the publicity. He wasn't at that superstar level or the super... well. Markov is quietly a very good player for the Canadians for many years. He was a quietly a very good player within the league. He wasn't a guy that was out there winning Norse trophies. He wasn't a guy out there going to the all-star games and, you know, the flash and everything, but the guy played over nine, you know, almost a thousand games for the Canadians. And then all of a sudden it just kind of seems like he was brushed away. So I'd like to yeah, see, think... I'd like to see something similar for him and bring back some of these guys that he played with. I think it would be a very, uh, another classy move by the organization, to be honest, and kind of redo the wrong that was kind of bestowed on him. Well, I think whatever hurt feelings uh, these players may have had, uh, that's more to do with prior management. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. So because it was, it was Bergevin's choice not to yeah. sign Markov. Yep. And with him gone, I think it'll be easier if if there were any actual hard feelings. Um, I can't confirm or deny it. There might be, there may not be. Yeah. But if there were, with him gone now, uh, it, it'll be easier to mend that fence. Just like, <clears throat> just like with the PK Subin situation, with Bergeron gone, the man who traded him away. If there were any real hurt feelings on PK's side, and there may have been, because um, he did seem very. Um, very upset immediately following the trade. I mean, yep. you saw him in the Just for Last Festival and he made a lot of comments <laughs> about it. He did. Jokingly. Um, but still, you can tell there's some hurt behind that. And with Bergevin gone now, it's it was pretty easy to mend that fence. And putting on this, this tribute for him, um, we could argue the impact that Subin had, whether it was a good move to keep him or not. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
he is the last Montreal Canadian to have earned an individual award based on skill. Right. So right. I know there's going to be people putting a caveat on there saying he won the Norris because it was a half season, yeah. but it was a half season for everybody in the league. That's right. And none of them won the Norris. So yeah. it's important to recognize that. It's important to recognize the type of player he was, the impact he had on the city. Like yeah. he, you could you could say that he had impacted the city almost to the level that Saku Koivu had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his foundation is a huge, huge foundation in Montreal. Uh, it's, uh, even though you could argue that about where he's getting the 10 million from, if it's out of his pocket or someone else's, the bottom line is he built an organization, a foundation to get the 10 million to that hospital and help those kids. Absolutely. Uh, and, and he's that been act- and he's clearly- been active in that organization. Even when he was in Nashville or New Jersey, he would yep. come back regularly. Um, say what you will about PK as a person or a player, um, but I would argue against any any downward talk of him as a person because yeah. he really does care about those kids. His heart, his heart is definitely there. It's not a publicity thing. It's not yeah. a tax write off. It's not, you know, some some people were saying pretty negative stuff uh, to do with you him. Know what? But, and, and the, even and, if it is, even if it is, who gives a shit? It's helping right. these kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what matters. Absolutely. And and going back to the tribute itself. Yeah. Um, one way to send it off with uh, Carrie Price coming out, Triple O Five. Lo- the crowd loved it. Um, yeah. Shout out to Annick Lemaire for uh, she uh, she did her rendition of the of the uh, the picture with them with their arms around yeah. each other. Uh, it got picked up by NH- uh, the NHL uh, Twitter. It's all over there right now. So make sure you go and you check out um, the NHL Twitter to see Anik's um, Anik's uh, drawing and every other drawing she makes because they're all amazing. They're very good. They're very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the triple O five. I wonder if anyone did a uh, <laughs> uh, did a health check on Michelle Terrian afterwards to oh, see if he, he was okay. He, he threw something on his TV for sure. <laughs> He's just standing there in his underwear, ripping darts and oh, throwing yeah. shit at he, his TV. He threw, he threw something for sure. <laughs> I just thought it was really, I thought it was really good though. You brought in, yeah. you brought Carrie Price. It was as soon as Carrie Price came out, the fans went nuts. Yeah. As they do. And I just think it was, it was a, a great way to get the crowd into it. And we saw that when the puck dropped as the Canadians were, you can you can argue you can argue hey it's a young goalie and hey there was uh this team played last night and you can argue hey let's uh let's start off quick because we look like shit in our last game etc whatever it was they had some fire lit under their ass and they actually started quite well even though they let up the opening goal <laughs> yeah which is standard for them most of the time yeah. but yeah. before that game started um PK actually addressed the the room, talked to the players, and whatever he said must have fired them up. Yeah, because they came up flying, like you said. Yeah. Uh, really that was maybe the ahead, it was sorry. maybe the most impressive first period I've seen from them all season for, for a while, for definitely for a while. But like the fact that he brought up playing for the Canadians and what that jersey meant and what it means to the city and what it means to um, hockey in general and. It was it was a it was a good speech by him, and I, as you said, whatever he said, it fired them up. They had a good start, still up the first goal, but there, there were certain individuals last night that really stood out, and I, we're yeah. going to get into the game now. Um, but whatever whatever he said, whatever he said, whatever happened, it was it worked. It worked, and when it comes down to it, at the end of the game, they they won the game. It was a little bit sloppy towards the end, and I was kind of swearing a little bit as it got a little bit closer. But just a just a tad, right? But like before we get into the game, like I know Team Tank is going to be pissed that they picked up two points, but this was an important yeah. game to win, and you don't want to see the team just lose and lose and lose and lose and lose. You want them to be competitive, and this was a game that they were actually competitive, 
And you can't say that lately about a lot of the games they played. No, you can't. And I mean, you look at, just look at the last game they played against Seattle. When St. Louis came out after the game and said they should be embarrassed by how they started that game and that there were way too many passengers. Now, keeping in mind, PK did have a speech prior to the game against Nashville, but I guarantee St. Louis did too. And I think the players took that to heart more so, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, he's their coach, he's their leader. Uh they'll wanna they'll wanna regain his respect or show him that, you know, they're not a passenger. Right. Um and I didn't think I saw any passengers in that game. Like none. They all showed up. Yeah, there was some there was some surprises as well. Like uh Dadnov uh, yeah. laying out Matt Duchesne. I kind of didn't did not that see beautiful. that did not see that coming. It's too bad that he couldn't convert on that breakaway that he had, but it is what it is. At least he got one. Yeah, at least he got one. Yeah, as did Jake <laughs> Evans, and then Dadnov took a penalty on his behalf. So yeah. Yeah. But uh getting to the game, I thought it was a new it wasn't you can't even say it was a new look it was but it was like a breath of fresh air for the power play um we can say that because they went because cole caulfield scored a couple goals on it but puck movement was good jonathan Drouin, i thought it was one of his best games of the year put up three assists yep kirby doc was moving the puck well he scored a goal and they just weren't as predictable as what they have been in recent games no, they weren't. And they were more than a one-line team. Even yes. though uh, the line of uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc looked amazing. They did. They were more than that. Uh, yeah. Drew Wang, like you mentioned, had the three assists. Uh, but he was the, uh, I think he was the leader for the forwards in expected goals four in that game. I'm trying to get the, the exact number. But uh, let's see here. Where are we at? Uh, yeah, XGF, he was 65% on expected goals for that. Nice. That's the kind of game that gets rival GMs yeah. picking up the phone. Yeah. If they can get him. And it's not like he's been playing poor either. He's no, been pretty it, good, but now he's actually converting on some of these, these passes yeah. and these points. Yeah. This is good for the Canadians. Get him going. Yes. Same thing as Armia. Starting to wake up. 2023 Armia. You should get a shirt. <laughs> Armia 2023. Right? <laughs> well, he's in one of his uh he's he, he's a peak and valley kind of player. Oh, very much. And he's much in so. that peak right now. Very so much. So trade so. his ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do always hot. Do always hot. Um now there was a call up in this game, and that was uh Yessi alone. And I thought yeah. he played an amazing game. He had First that shift was fantastic. perfect pass. The yeah. perfect pass to Doc. Yeah. This is a guy that uh excels in the power play at the AHL level, and it yeah. showed that he can distribute the puck even at the nhl level um it's not like he's a spring chicken like he's got some pro time under his belt he's played some games for the canadians but his first shift he was out there and taking any and he got a good scoring opportunity and you said about the pass to doc um played the least out of anybody but it's his first game yeah. i cut you kind of expect that however uh no nope. uh weidman played a little bit less than him well for 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 forwards i meant for forwards yeah 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 but Yelonen brought speed to the game. He he was flying out there. Yeah. He was also responsible defensively. He was strong on the forecheck. Uh, when he had the puck on his stick, it was difficult to get it from him. And he was able to generate uh, passing lanes and then capitalize on them. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I want to say, though, is how the defense played. Um, I threw out a couple tweets saying that all the fucking goals that they've scored look exactly the same. And that just seems to be the way that it is. Montembeau had a pretty decent game. Um, 40 for all. Yeah, I think right? so. O- overall, he didn't really let in. Let's just call it a softy. Uh, one, one was, but two of them are right in front of him. One was a C and I shot and he didn't have a chance at right. But a nine twenty nine save overall uh, 39 of 42. Uh, with three goals allowed, obviously. Um, but back to the defense, I like them based on their physicality, their eagerness to get in the middle, in the lanes and block shots. And I'll give a shout out to Slavkovsky because he did the same thing. And 
and uh you know definitely got my eyes looking at him saying like hey you're doing something other than playing the offensive side good on you you're gonna need to learn this at the nhl level back to the defense they were physical and they were getting shots through Mm -hmm. right um half the shots i believe came from the defense last night and edmondson of all players had five and he uh, had a hell of a game he did he did he was up he might have got a little bit overzealous in the 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 start of the second period there and it probably led to the goal but other than that pretty good game Savard's getting back to his game, blocking shots and everything. I thought Jack Eye was very noticeable out there, especially on the physical side. Hit seven hits. Just overall, ask Jano, right? And you know what, Jano is—he's uh, a good. He's not. He's not just the uh, just another big guy, right? Like he he yeah. can throw. He can fight. And, and I thought it was a good fight between the two of them. Um, somehow, somewhere. There was a Nashville site out there that thought that Jano fed it to Jack guy. And I don't know what that guy's smoking, but it is what it is. It was a pretty damn fair fight. Jack guy definitely threw the heavier punch though. And I'm I very, would give, su- yeah, I, I would give the decision to Jack guy based decision, on that right hook. Yeah, yeah. I'll give the decision to him for sure. But it's, it's, it's um, something to be, said about jack eye there's something to be said about him and he's played very well he surprised a lot of people hell he surprised a lot of people just making the team at a camp and for a guy that was you know stocking shelves in costco to to make it up to the nhl level like this kid's not going anywhere he's not and with ghoulie down definitely not going anywhere now, I don't, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is the next Sheldon Suray or anything, but no, no. Uh, Jack Eye is one of those guys that you can you can park him on your third pair yep. and not be worried, and no. he'll give you a little bit of everything. Yep, yep. So now, so, um, going into the next game, as we're talking a little bit about defense, hmm. Matheson's back, or it looks like he's going to be back. He's, uh, he's skating in a regular jersey. Which should mean that he's cleared for contact soon. Soon. So if we see him against the Islanders, do we see Baron go back down? Do we see a move? Do we see like what's what's what do you think is going to happen there? I would assume that Baron would go back down. And th- <clears throat> now it's not that Baron's played poorly. I mean, he's shown flashes, but he still needs time to uh, to mature his game. He does. And he, he was played... named and he was named to the AHL All-Star team as well. Yes, he was. Right. And, and in this last game against Nashville, he only played just under 13 minutes. Right. And he did make one giveaway, but the goal that was le- that led from there wasn't based on the giveaway. It was more there was a couple of errors afterwards that kind of led that way. Um but he does need more time especially yes. in Laval. Uh, go play in that all-star game. He's earned that. He was having a hell of a season down in Laval. Go back, play a ton of minutes, work on those things that you need to work on, and then come back at camp next year, and he should be ready then. But yeah. in the meantime, you know, let the other, uh, let uh, let all of them, all the other ones play. Like Jordan Harris has quietly been putting together an, an amazing season. He's yeah. not putting up a ton of points, but he is so reliable. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. You can rely on him for 20 to 25 minutes a night yep. and not be concerned whatsoever. Yeah. Kovacevic has been the same way. Very surprising. Yep. Very surprising. Yeah. Third third pairing guy, but he goes yep. out there. He does what he needs to do and he gets off the ice. Nothing flashy. Rarely do you hear his name in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He he was skating the puck really well against Nashville. He was using his his uh, mobility and his footwork to get uh, carry the puck out of trouble. He was able to do controlled zone exits often, and right. he even generated a ton of controlled zone entries for the Canadians, which helped them generate the cycle and keep that pressure on Nashville. Right. Uh, but but going back to Edmondson for a minute, uh, he led the team in ice time. Yeah. He had a heck of a game and. What he was doing was is kind of what the rest of the the uh, defensemen have started to do, 
And that's like you mentioned, put a lot of pucks on net, but they're not trying to power the puck through They're They don't care if they feather it in. If it's a wrist shot, uh, it could be a bank shot. As long as it gets to the net, the important thing is for the forwards to start generating more net front presence. Right. Right. They get that traffic there. What the defensemen are doing is going to be extremely valuable to the Canadians. It's kind of like what Vegas was doing a couple of years ago against Montreal, where all the offense stemmed from what the defense were doing, but they had forwards who were at the front of the net. Right. Now, one other point in that game, I want to... I'll throw throw a quick stat about Caulfield. Uh, fastest yeah. Canadians player to score 25 goals in a season since Stefan Richet in the 87, 88 season. Yeah. Two power play goals. And now he's on pace for 48 goals. That's insane. It's insane. It makes you wonder, like he's at 25, po- uh, 25 goals now yep. at uh, the 40 game mark. Yep. What would his goal total have been last year in his rookie season? Had he not gone 30 games without a goal? Who knows? It's it's incredible. You know, you can you look at the team, and yes, they're a bottom team in the league. We knew likely that was going to happen. Yes, they've surprised us with some of their games this year. However, this is one guy that's really embraced whatever the hell this is that the Canadians are doing with their systems and with their their player management and everything. This is one guy that's really signed in on this. And he's going to get paid and no people Carolina is not going to fucking offer sheet Cole Caulfield. It's not going to be another one of those situations. They're going to get this guy signed. He's going to be there long-term. So just pump the brakes a little bit. Team's going to look different next year. We've got a lot of guys coming off the books, but this is a guy that's going to be there long-term expect a contract. That's very similar to Suzuki's. Well, I mean, uh, Carolina sh- sure showed Montreal. I mean, signing <laughs> Kotkaniemi to that, well, basically for nine years. Oh my God. I mean, the guy's yeah. got what? 12 points, 13 points that. Yeah. Something like that. since he was picked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, a little, but, bit, a little uh, bit more on, than that, but <laughs> yeah, not much. But uh, on Caulfield, uh, I, I wrote up something uh, at the start of the year about my expectation for, his the value of his contract, and yep. I use a couple of comparables like Ehlers, yep. you know, historical ones using uh, percentage of cap space used on a player. Okay, but those guys, uh, they weren't on pace for over forty goals in the season. They, they, they were due the contract. So if Caulfield does score, say thirty five, yep, I think it's a reasonable uh, thought to think he might be slightly above eight million. But if if he's willing to give the team a break and take eight by eight or seven point eight seven five like uh, Suzuki, I can see him being one of those guys. I can see him doing something very either like a matching contract or taking that um, hometown discount to be with this team. It doesn't seem like he's one of those guys that wants to just jump out and be like, oh, I'm in a. Maybe, maybe Kyle Dubas will give me what I want. You know what I mean? Like one of those kind of things, right? <laughs> I'll sit out training camp. I'm going to put yeah. my feet down. You're going to have to talk to my dad, right? So, <laughs> yeah. No, he, he clearly, it's clear that he is enjoying his time in Montreal playing yeah. for the Canadians and especially playing for his boyhood idol, Martin St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. And he's embraced the city as well. He's one of those 10 players that's, taking those French classes. So uh, it, it came out a couple of days ago that uh, a, a group of eight to 10 Montreal Canadians are taking French classes together now. And for me, I, I don't expect to see a bunch of fluent Francophones come out of this uh, afterwards. I'm expecting more what we saw from PK, you know, throw in a phrase or two here and there, show that you've put effort in, uh, speak, eloquently even though it's a second language that you really haven't mastered that's my expectation from what i'm going to see from these guys and i think the fan base in montreal especially the uh, the francophone fan base will eat that up 
Yeah. It's all they you, want. You saw that's it with, all they want. You saw it with the tribute to the Subban tribute. That's right. Right. They're loving it. Yeah. It's just like it is with the games. Uh, we saw the game against Seattle where the Canadians came out flat and they were booed after the first period. And it's not because they were losing. It's because they weren't putting in any effort. Yeah. And the fans in Montreal appreciate effort, even though they can recognize when a team is giving everything they have, whether they're leading or losing, as long as they're giving everything they have, the fans are going to appreciate them. If they're not, if they're dogging it, they'll let them, they'll let them know. And that's where this, this, um, taking these French classes, they see these guys putting in that little extra effort to connect with them. And the fans will let them know by showing them a little bit extra love. Right. Now, we, well, we even saw it with Suzuki and um, yeah. last year when he was doing a lot of events within the city and trying to get his name up out. to wearing the C. Yeah. Trying to get his name yep. out there and try to get his face out there and everything. But you can attribute a lot of these new relations with the team and kind of opening the opening it up a little bit more to Chantal McAbey. Yes, this was exactly her goal when she took over the job. She said it day one. She wants the fans and the players to be more connected, just like they were when she was younger. Yeah. And, and so seeing hard. the alumni come back in and being part of it again and the alumni are touring uh with the Canadians more than ever before it, it really shows yep. and, and that that reconnection to the fan base is only going to help especially as this rebuild continues even though the team's losing the fans are engaged and once this team becomes a contender again we're going to see we're going to see a much uh a much more uh, involved fan base and i think it's going to expand because when younger people start watching the game they see good hockey they they become enthralled by it and they become fans of that team absolutely well we look at their cup look at their cup run it was fans yeah. fan new fans and then the old fans all coming together and it was it was really good to see yeah i, I use my son as an example um he he he, he likes hockey back then, you know when he was a little younger he he liked it he had fun with it and then he started watching it a little bit and then he saw that cup run with the canadians and he was really he started to really buy in and then he watched the world juniors and now he is a rabid hockey fan <laughs> perfect it, it's amazing it's amazing and, and now he's almost to my level <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but that's the thing that's that's what it does like you you engage the fan base you give them a good product and then they will really buy in yeah that's right and I think Jeff Molson, uh, who was a guest on Spit, uh, no, uh, Raw Knuckles yeah, just this Knuckles. last yeah. week, yeah. he mentioned the rebuild and why they why they took this path. And even though he's probably going to end up losing a little bit of money in revenues in the first year or two, he's going to make it all back yeah. tenfold. Yeah. And I don't think he's losing that much. He might be he might be making about fifty dollars less this year <laughs> yeah. than he would have otherwise. Right. So in the long run, uh, if you help the on ice product, you're going to help the off ice product even more. And I, I do believe that as we segue for the trade deadline, <laughs> that, which is coming up in about six weeks. One, um, one thing though about revenue. If you want to gain revenue, start winning hockey games wearing those fucking reverse retro jerseys and people start buying them more. <laughs> well, you don't want to you don't want to be the guy uh, to buy the cursed jersey. <laughs> do you mean like the dark blue one, the dark blue reverse retro yeah. that was cursed? Just and as cursed, now, right? <laughs> now the not the light blue one. Yeah. Maybe maybe just stop making reverse retro jerseys for a little yeah. while. Adi well, Adidas isn't with. Uh, I think the the uh, jersey sales for Adidas are gone next year, so it's going to be something different. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's... Reverse retro gloves. I don't know something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So 
that brings us to the trade deadline. Uh, it's coming up, and I, I'm bringing it up beca- uh, this soon in advance because last year at the tr- uh, before the trade deadline, um, Hughes was making moves far in advance because GMs now are realizing that, yeah, that they, they save a little bit of money on the cap because of uh, accumulation and whatnot, yeah. but they gain more by bringing the player in a little bit sooner so he can acclimatize himself to the team yeah. and really be ready to come playoff time. Like Toffoli, even though they knew Toffoli was going to be there for a couple of years. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of movement I'm expecting from, um, from Hughes. And he has a lot of really good weapons that he has at his disposal when it comes to the trade deadline, right? Like cap space, yes. Which I realize that they're in LTIR, but they have several million dollars left to play with that, right? And there's a lot of teams that are stuck right up the right up on the cap that he can be very uh, creative in either doing a three way trade where he eats some cap of one player going from team A to team B, yeah. Or taking on a contract that's going to expire, so that they that team can make a different move. Yeah, there's a lot we, he can do. We, we've seen how they've been able to manipulate the cap over the last few years, and that that I think that's a, what's it Sedgwick that's in charge of that. Yes, right, and like good on him. He's been he's done a fantastic job on it. Um, you talked about Toffoli, and yes, he had years left on his contract, but manageable cap hit. I'm wondering if. Their big their big chip this year is going to be Sean Monahan. Yes. Right. Last year it was Sherrod. Sherrod has worked out very well for them so far. Right. And yeah, it uh, might turn into a it might turn into Connor Bedard. It might turn into Connor, like <laughs> you imagine that. God damn, right? However, I'm wondering if that's going to be one of those kind of deals where it's going to be trade them at the deadline wait till somebody gives you their best offer and maybe another team comes in and gives you a better offer, or it's going to be the first, this we get, we're going to, we're going to move them. I think he has a price set for all the players. And if someone's willing to pay that price, he'll move them immediately. And my assumption is that he has a 2023 first set as a price for Monaghan. I can see that. I can see that. Because he mentioned he wants another 2023 first, and right. Monaghan might be his best bet with Edmondson being a close second. Right. And there's teams out there that could use him. Yeah. And the Canadians could easily take 50% of the cap. Yeah. And he can go over to whatever team for about three and a half to four million, somewhere in that range. Yeah. yeah he's making 6.3 right now. Yeah. yeah. So 3.75 something. Right. Which would fit with teams like, say, I don't know, Minnesota, who yeah. the GM is very good friends of Kent Hughes. Right. You know, friend of the show, Bill Guerin. <laughs> I could Bill see was it. On I the, Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Bill was on the show this summer talking about his preparation for this trade deadline. He He's expecting his team to be a contender and right. he is going to be a buyer. Right. Personally, I think it's going to be Colorado. If Colorado doesn't, no, get, honestly, if, yeah. If Colorado doesn't take a run at Jonathan Taves in Chicago, or if Winnipeg doesn't, um, I could see that I could see him being a guy that they, that they go out and grab because right now they got McKinnon, and they've got a team that's just starting to get back into being healthy. Uh, Rantanen's yeah. kind of held down the fort for them, but after after McKinnon like it's kind of kind of the who's who of who's going to play at center so I think right now it's JT Comfer is their second line I think center. so I think so yeah and I I know Alex Newhook when they drafted him their expectation was him for for him to reach that point of a yeah. as a second line center and I think he'll make it but I he's not ready yet yeah and that's part of the problem right now uh, I know you mentioned Taze, yep. but there's issues there. He's making 10 and a half. He's yep. not as productive. Even if Chicago eats 50%, that that's could be still one of the six million bucks. So this could be one of those three team trade things. You eat, you eat, yeah. go in, right? Yeah. 
there's a there and there's your trade partner right there so depends on what they're willing to give the canadians to do that right right but if i were colorado and i'm looking at taze and having to do a three-way or just making a direct deal for monahan i would go for monahan because he is a little bit younger he he's he's got a good pedigree as well not not Tate not Tate's not level pedigree like, for yeah, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But he's a little younger and he's productive and he could be a piece that you can re-sign and keep for another year or two yeah. without too much concern. Right. Whereas Taze, he's pretty much at the end. Yeah. Yeah. He'll 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 have no give... problem finding somewhere next year, but I can see him no. I can see him going home. I can see him going to Winnipeg. I really can't. Or just saying no i don't want to get traded i just want to finish my career here in chicago could be it as well could be it as yeah well. but with monahan monahan would be an excellent fit at second line center absolutely. in colorado absolutely and he could he could stay there for a couple more years while new hook gets himself to the point where he can take over right so that would be a good fit too i i think that was a good call on your part i yeah. i agree with that one um i'm trying to think of other teams that might give up a first and maybe, you know, maybe Pittsburgh. I'm not saying for Monaghan, but I think maybe. maybe their first could be in play. It's a possibility. I mean, you got, you got Crosby and Malkin there. You want to extend their window. I yep. think they've been what? 16, 17 years in the playoff straight. Something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. With that core. Yeah. So if you got Crosby and Malkin still on your on your roster and Latang, who uh, uh, our condolences to to the Latang family on the loss of his father, but when he comes back, you got those three guys together. You owe it to the to them and the team to to try. So I think maybe yeah. that first round picks in play. What about what about a team like Washington? You know, for a team that everyone thought was dead this season, yeah. they're back in it. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe because, just, Although just, think, just maybe because I'm just thinking that way because yeah. a guy like Backstrom who mm-hmm. very good player when he's in the lineup, but his health is a concern. Yes. So I played two games for them so far this year. Yeah. Right. And they do need a center, but they have to move some money out. So I don't know if a first would be in play with those guys, but would you be willing to take on, say, a Mantha, an Anthony Mantha in return? He's got term. He's got, He's another got year. term. He's a good young yeah. player. Another year at 5.7. Yeah. yeah. Would would that be something the Canadians could do? I mean, you've got a uh, – he's slightly older. I think he was 27 now. He is 20, 28. Here you go. He's yeah. 28. Yep. He's a guy who can score. He's big. He's fast. He's, you know, he plays a heavy game yep. uh, and he's from Quebec. So yeah, I, I can see them having some interest in him. Right. Depending on exactly what goes out the other way. That's right. Yeah. But overall, I think Washington, I think you're right. I think they might be players in this trade deadline because they're not out of it anymore. Yeah. I'm just kind of going up and down the list and like who would be who would be a good fit like looking at some of the teams and I'm just I'm just trying to think about teams that would be willing to move a first. So you got all the teams at the top of the list. So like Winnipeg might be willing to move a first, Toronto, Boston. Yeah. I think those teams their firsts are in play guaranteed. Right. But do the Canadians have what any of those teams are looking for? I mean, depth scoring wise, right? It's Drouin and Dadnov. I don't think there's very much value there. No, but at the very least, their improved play is making it possible for GMs to want to even try and give a seventh round pick for these guys. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't increase their trade value, but it increases the op- uh, the the uh, the chances that a trade could happen. I agree. I agree. But uh, outside of Edmondson and Monaghan, I really don't see any big pieces that the Canadians would be willing to trade to a buyer. No, no, no. And on the uh, 
Yeah, so Drager has talked about the Winnipeg Jets and that they're going to be buyers at the deadline. Um, they're going to be looking for, according to him, a defenseman and some depth scoring. They might even go big and go for uh, Patrick Kane, right. which I think would be freaking awesome to watch. I could see him going to the Rangers, to be honest. But Whoa, that or, would be epic. The Rangers him or Calgary. Or maybe Calgary. Because Calgary needs scoring on the wings. They do. They do. But I, I think Kane, now you got me thinking Kane and Panarin <laughs> together on, on a line. That'd be just freaking amazing. Right. Um, one other thing that would be one thing that'd be even more amazing would be Florida being sellers. And that's what's in the rumors right now. <laughs> well, that's what you're hoping for. And they, we yeah. talked, we talked a little bit uh, off air about, uh, about their, uh, their upcoming schedule and kind of the way that it's looking. Um, I will bring it up in one second. Just give me two, two secs. Yeah. I think the they degree did. of difficulty is well, a they did, little they bit did, higher they, for well, the Canadians, they did, but they did lose last night against, uh, mm-hmm. against the Panthers. So, Again, Team Tank, I know you were pissed last night that Montreal won, but Florida lost and they've got their un- they've got an unprotected first round pick with them. So which cheer- is in the top ten to right lose. now. Yeah. So cheer for yeah. them to lose every game. And you're gonna be doing just you're gonna be doing just fine. Okay. So you can get your, your fill of losing from them. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, listen, I don't yeah. I'm not a part of Team Tank, but I, of course, I'd love to see the Canadians in a very deep draft score a phenomenal player with their pick and with Florida's. However, there's losing respectively and and still developing as a team and still developing your players and their skill sets, and then there's just being a just being a tank and then just going over there, laying an egg game after game so you can have a better chance. Yeah, there's a big difference between uh, driving an Edsel and being an absolute train wreck. Right. So I'm going to look at, say, the next five games for um, for Florida. Um, yeah. They play Vancouver, Buffalo, Toronto, Montreal, Minnesota. If they win three out of four of those games... They're in a much better spot. They start losing games, especially if they lose the first two against Vancouver, Buffalo, and then go in against Toronto. I don't think it's going to be very well for them. And like, they if 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 they start selling pieces off, Montreal is going to be smiling ear to ear because you, as I said, it's a deep draft. It's a deep draft. It's a deep draft this year. You pick two two guys in the top 10 you're getting more likely two top six forwards in the future easily yeah yeah and the the talk in florida right now is if they do become sellers it's so that they can get some uh, some uh money off the books for next year so they can kind of regroup and the big money players that would be you know good pieces for other teams to try and pick up are sam reinhardt and sam bennett Right. So one of those losing either one would really hurt their chances at not being absolute trash this year. Yeah, and both players have term. That's right. Yeah. So if they do move one of them, you can almost guarantee that that pick will be in the top ten. Yeah. And if the Canadians get two top ten picks, yeah, even if it's you know six and nine, which would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Or or say seven and ten, like somewhere in that range. Yeah, you're looking at two really Very good players, really yeah. good prospects. Yeah, yeah. And that's not even to mention the possibility of a third first round pick that uh, Hughes is likely to pick up, right? Which is still uh, near the end of the draft, at the end of the first round of this draft. Still players that are considered second line second pairing players like yeah. almost locks to be those types yes. of players yeah so it, it's a it's a really good draft year to have florida trade an unprotected pick to you yes and i and the thing is i don't think anybody thought that florida was gonna spiral down the way that they did 
but we did talk about it at the start of the year how it would be amazing if they oh did. absolutely but like it was a, it was a wholesale change you bring out yeah you get rid of jonathan huberto you get rid of mackenzie Weger. yes you brought in matthew chuck he's having a fantastic season for you yeah but it's the rest of the team that either hasn't been healthy or just hasn't been playing up to standard and then you go through a coaching change as well which I think is the bigger issue there. Yeah, you want losing the Andrew guy, Burnett, right? You want a goddamn president's trophy, and then all of a sudden you get rid of your yeah. coach. So, and you bring in Paul Maurice, yeah, to replace Andrew Burnett, who personally I think is an amazing coach. You know, it's not because he's from Sudbury or I played hockey with him <laughs> as a kid. Nothing to yeah. do with that. Yeah, nothing at all. No, no. But you can't like what you said is true. Like, how do you go from having a coach who took you to a president's trophy after taking over from another one that was fired for controversial reasons? Right. And this guy steps in, takes over, gives you a president's trophy, and you just let him go. Yeah, you let him go. Yeah. And then tr- change over some of the players in the room, which completely throws off the whole team, the system, the the dressing room. Yeah. I'm not surprised they they took a big dip. Yeah, and I'm and I'm all for it. Yep, I'm especially all, because they, right? especially they, they, they went unprotected on that pick. Like, well, what yeah. the hell? Yeah, I'm all, but I, I'm all for it. I, I if yeah. this if this turns into like they got what Ty Samalek or whatever the hell you say, how do you say his the name? Smelic, yeah, they got and then they got Cedric Guidon. Yep. Right, with Who's that, staring it up in the right? OHL. Yeah, Cedric Guidon, which is a fourth round pick, I believe. Yep. And then they get a first round pick that's unprotected for Ben Chirot. So, and Ben Chirot only played there for a handful of games and then signed with Detroit. So, yeah, it's great. Well, let's say, as the example, good trade trade. It's going to be a good trade trade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that pick might end up being a Dalibor Dvorsky or uh, a Will Smith or exactly. one of those types Benson of players. Or something. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of other names that you could throw in, but it's that type of prospect. Yeah. Brandon Jaeger. Colby Barlow. Jaeger bomb. <laughs> Jaeger bombs. Done. <laughs> that, draft him just for that. <laughs> Our friends at McLean's Pub would love that. Yeah. And that's just talking about the North uh, American guys. And you talked about, you talked about yeah. Dvorsky. There's Edward Saleh who had a really good, uh, a really good tournament, which I'm sure you saw him play quite a bit. I was impressed with his play. Like he, he has all the tools, and you can tell he. But he needs a little time to bring them all together. But right. he can really take over a game. Right. Then there's that wild card, named Mitchkov. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how far he's going to slide, but he is going to slide. He is not going to be in the top the three. Thing in is, my opinion. He's going to slide, but like. Even as fans, like a lot of people aren't talking about this kid because we didn't see him at the juniors because we haven't seen Russia play. And it's just kind of like little bits that we're seeing on Twitter and in different uh, outlets. We're not we're, we're not really seeing what he's bringing to the table and uh, that could work in the Canadians favor. And knowing that Good. knowing that he's a guy that probably isn't going to come to North America until he's 21, 22 years old. That might yep. scare some teams away which could make him slide further. The Russian factor yeah. uh, for the war and not playing in all these international tournaments is one thing, but yes. being under contract until 2026 yeah. in the KHL. That's true. Yeah. So how far is he going to slide because of those two issues? Yeah. Yeah. Also because they can't pay their, their uh, pay anyone in Russia because of uh, all the economic sanctions, they don't have any scouts in Russia watching this kid. So you're doing it by video if you're lucky. Yeah. So how much do you trust your video? Yeah, good, but it it's it could turn into a a healthy risk or not a healthy risk a healthy gamble for a team that wants to take this he, kid. Yeah. So we know that he's you he know can become know the next. He, fuck, like we we know we know that he's a a goal scoring prodigy. Right? That's what he does. Maybe he becomes the next uh, Cole Caulfield for the Canadians. Right. Slice the to Russian... 15, they trade up and get him. Yeah, so the Russian accent. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, so I think that pretty much does it for the show. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I feel bad for Brendan Gallagher. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, finally yeah. back. 
goes down with another injury, another six weeks. It's been a uh, it's been a struggle for him for the last few seasons. Um, he's put up points when he's been healthy. This year has just not been his year, and he's only in a second year of a pretty lengthy contract of six and a half million bucks. It's starting to make me yeah. a little bit nervous is that he just, with his style of play and his injury history, with uh, the players that they got coming up in their system, love the guy, love him to death, a heart and soul player, but it's starting to scare me that uh, that contract's going to start looking more like an anchor than him being an anchor on that on that team, right? For what he brings. So um hoping for better health next year. Let's just say that. I think that if he has another year where he misses almost all of it because of injuries like he has the last couple of seasons, he is a he is truly a team guy. And yes. if the Canadians cannot move him, I could see him accepting a long term injury a la carry price. Right. If it's one of those contract, if it's one of those things that's going to keep him out, right? But it's just kind of seems yeah. like it's like, oh my hand, oh my wrist, oh my this, oh my that. It's it just seems to be like a revolving door of injuries lately. And I, I'm not yeah, downplaying so the guy's significance to the team. I uh, love Gallagher to death, but I'm really hoping that next year is just going to be one of those years that he comes back, makes an impact. Um, as I said, got a lot of guys coming off the books next year. Team's going to look a little bit different. So let's hope for the best. I agree. And for myself, um, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we're, our numbers, uh, uh, we haven't put out a ton of shows uh, to start the 2023 with me and Trag covering uh, the World Juniors, you being on holidays. We haven't been able to do a ton for a show, um, but we're going to start having a little bit more frequency. We're going to get some more guests on. So I want to thank everyone for sticking with us and helping us increase the number of listeners, even though we're not putting out as many shows. I really, really, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for everybody who's checking in on us and interacting with us. Please keep sharing or t- post, uh, post under the Habs unfiltered uh, Twitter feeds or, on Mastodon, on Tribal, wherever. Habs on Filters there. TikTok. We even got a TikTok. I'm going to try and get more videos of you, though. <laughs> you sell more. You sell more tickets than we do. Yeah. I'll have to see what the latest so, craze is, what dance I can pull off or something. <laughs> <laughs> Some Fortnite dance on top of that. Hey. Uh, but I want to thank everyone for for checking in on us, for listening, for sharing, for, for interacting. And... Uh, you know, it's not lost on us how great this community is. There's a ton of other great uh, podcasts. You know, Locked On Canadians is one. Um, Raw Knuckles, we like those guys there too. Uh, all of them. If I'm not, if I don't mention it, it's not because I don't like you. I just there's so many that my mind gets swamped. Yep. So check them all out. You know, this isn't a competition. We're all friends. And um, remember. If you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617. 
the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.